Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. I wanna be your hands. I wanna be your feet. You know, each day on the I Work Ram Show, we try to bring you guests and have discussions that will challenge the way you think about your workplace and it being your mission field. And today is no different than ever before. Actually, it is very different than ever before. Yesterday was take your parents to work day. Today is take your in-laws to work day. Right here on the I Work For Him show, we have a very special guest. My father-in-law, Ted Haynes, is in the studio with me today. Of course, he's in town because of Christmas. And I said, Ted, as long as you're going to be in town, come on the radio with me. You've already called in a couple of times. I want my audience to hear the incredible testimony of how God grabbed Ted and led him in business in his life. And I've I've witnessed it. I've been friends with Ted now. I've known Ted 32 plus years. And yes, he has to go to counseling because of that. So anyway, welcome Ted Haynes to the I Work For Him show. Thanks, Jim. It's good to be here. Hey, you know, before we get to the show, really, we forgot to do the weather. Andrea forgot to do the weather. The weather today here in Tampa Bay, rainy, 100% chance of rain. But tomorrow is going to be gorgeous. It's going to be 10 degrees colder and 20 or 30 or 40 degree, 40 percentage less hum- humid. It's going to be incredible. 69 for a high. Absolutely spectacular. And 70s all next week. All right. There we go. 
and apparently my traffic wasn't very impressive either. So anyway, okay. So Ted, I, I, I printed out this verse because I thought this would really be a fun verse for you. You know, and, and this this really applies to you because our relationship as father-in-law, son-in-law uh, has been awesome because I've learned a lot from you. And, and I know I was very obnoxious as a 16-year-old when you first met me, so I'm sorry. I know I'm still kind of there. I have a there. story about that, by the way. You what? I do have a story about that. I don't know that we're going to allow you to share that. I have a mute button. I, you know, I don't know if you're going to be able to share that one. All right, but it says right here, <laughs> Proverbs 4, 1 and 2, it says, My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment, for I'm giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. And really, Ted, as you're, you're a very different personality than me, and uh, that's been awesome. And it has always been very easy for me to take your instruction and your guidance. And as, as a son-in-law, to have a father-in-law, that kind of relationship, very, very powerful. Because I, I know of a dozen men that can't say that. So there's probably a lot more than that. So I just want to thank you for that. And, and you know, you've called into the show a couple of times. I just know what's at the center of your heart. And I want people to hear how God moved in your business to grab your heart. And... Uh, I just think it's a privilege that everybody needs to hear. So thanks for being on the show today. Well, thank you, Jim. But I do need to tell him. That oh, you're going to tell the story anyway. Okay. When I first met you, you had aspirations of being a weatherman. That was that was what you wanted to do. So finally, you had the opportunity to do it publicly. That's the first time I've ever done the weather public. Thank you, Ted. That's right. I did, but I couldn't handle the calculus. You know, not let those compu- those weather guys never, ever, ever use calculus. But, you know, that's what you had to have to get a meteorology degree. And in, and in Florida, these guys get paid big money to do the weather. And during the summer, hey, high today, 92. Low tonight, 79. High tomorrow, 92. Low tomorrow night, 79. Guess what? Chance of rain every day. Seriously, they get paid for that. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I wouldn't say, though, you missed your calling. I think you're doing exactly what God wants you to do right now. Oh, I have no doubt that I'm where God that I'm where God wants me to be because there was no way. You've known me. You've known me 32 years. Now, the 30 years before I got on the radio, did you ever hear me say, gosh, what I really want to do is I want to have a talk radio show? No. No. I, I used car a lot, maybe. I had a few of those. Yeah. All right, so as a basis for our show discussion, as I always do with each and every guest, I always ask them, how's Christ making an impact on your life today? You know, that's a question. I, I need to tell people, I, on December 13th of this year, I celebrated my 82nd birthday. And I remember when I was born. Um, you remember the day? <laughs> no, not, not vividly. <laughs> okay, just checking. Maybe uh, you're one of those really cool people that you remember no, that day. No, but I was told that my life expectancy was 59 and a half. And so I uh, logically was never expected to see Social Security. Today, uh, they say that uh, life expectancy is, I think, 79. So at 82, I realized that I'm on borrowed time. Uh, these are grace years that God has given me. And I think that he has a purpose for that. And I've been I've been searching my heart to know what that purpose is. And I th- I think as I as I did that searching, I realized every uh, decade or so I was doing the same thing. You know what what does God want of me now? And I realized that that um, it's basically the same calling that that. It was the Great Commission, really, you know, to go into all the world and proclaim his name and and share the gospel. And um, I've been sharing the Pocket Testament League for quite a few years. 
And uh, when you had uh, a guest on the... Lori Hoffman from Vice President of the Pocket Testament League. And I've, I've got to meet her. But She's I, a fantastic lady. Yeah, and I was very, very impressed with her interview. I called in and talked to her about um, my testimony and my sharing. And as a consequence, she asked me to be a spokesperson for uh, the Fort Myers area where I'm a resident. And, and that's, that's going to be a kind of exciting thing, and it's going to be a challenging thing because... Um, pastors don't want to give up their pulpit to <laughs> anybody that wants to come in and share. So you, you have to get creative. And uh, I'm learning creativity from you because I find that uh, you're thinking out of the box a lot. And, and that's what I need to do with that. But uh, the number of people that have uh, uh, decided that they can share, it, it becomes so simple. Um, giving someone a pocket testament. And um, I... I I try to always carry one with me. They, they ask you to give one out uh, a day. Uh, I, I come home sometimes and have to replenish because they are unbelievably easy to give away. But you don't want to just hand them out like you would, uh, you know, randoms. Um, usually I try to engage somebody in a conversation first and find out a little bit about them and... and uh, do you have time for a minute for a story? Or well, well, I was going to say, why don't you talk about your specific mission with the Pocket Testament League is to reach out to veterans, because you're a veteran of the Korean War. Yeah. And you love when you see a veteran, and a lot of those guys are wearing, hey, I'm a veteran hat, or you can just tell because they're wearing a veteran jacket or something like they got a tattoo on their arm that's a, that shows something. So you're specifically eyeing out veterans so you can share a Pocket Testament with them. That's right. And and part of that is is... What makes it so easy is a, a while back I, I read about a group of people that were um, talking about the American flag, and they were taking recycled flags and cutting the stars out, and and then a little uh, blurb about it, the respecting of the flag that no longer can fly because it's been damaged and soiled by the sun, and they're to be recycled. So the, the stars have been cut out, and then I, I typed that on a little piece of paper, and said uh, your your comrade in arms ted haynes korean veteran and in there i have a tract about the the uh, bible uh, about uh, the american flag mm-hmm. and a, a, a scripture verse and i put it in a little plastic uh, container and um, it's amazing that the that the veterans many times have not talked about their war experience and they've they've feel comfortable and relieved and sometimes I've seen tears well up in their eyes and thank me for this remembering them because when they, a lot of younger folks don't know this but a lot of Korean and Vietnam veterans as they came back uh, they'd, they'd given their all in many cases some of them didn't come back but they were spat upon and, and abused by uh, people here at home and never were thanked many of them and so even now that, that scar um, the woundedness that, that from their own people that they were trying to defend, they, they couldn't understand that. So when I thank them for their service and give them this star, they're at a very vulnerable moment. And then I ask them about their relationship with Jesus Christ. And the responses are varied. And many of them have a, a big interest. And at that point, I can share the uh, the book of John. I always call it the Gospel of John. I try to. I, I refer sometimes to the book of John, but I'd like to say the Gospel of John. So they clearly know what I'm giving them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they allow me to read it. Many times uh, 
they accept it and thank me. I had a, a Marine, a retired Marine that had been a fireman, uh, with tears in his eyes, say, you have really made my day. Hmm. Well, and it's fabulous because you might. What I wanted people to hear is that okay, you've been retired for seventeen years already, and in those seventeen years, you have constantly looked for purpose and ways to just connect with people, disciple people, mentor people, to encourage them in their faith, and and really as becoming a you know you're you're now eighty two years old and you've just become a member of the Pocket Testament League to be a speaker. You've been a member for over thirty years, but it's just it's awesome how you were looking for a purpose and God said, hey, here's something new. Yeah, you're 82. Well, that's okay. Moses didn't get a job till he was 80. Ted Haynes, my father-in-law and a friend for over 32 years. We met in August, late August of 1982. Yes, some of you didn't even exist then in 1982. But uh, it, it's a great story. But, Ted, I want to start back just a little bit about that because why you came to Minneapolis and how I got to meet you and, of course, your incredible daughter, Martha, uh, there's a there's a long path that led that way, but I really want to talk. I mean, you're a professional photographer, and, and what's great is your ability to take professional photographs and, and turn it into a business. Obviously, is passed on to the your grandson generation. You've got three, you've got oh man, five incredible. How many talented grandsons you have? I mean, they're all talented, all artistic. Brandon's more of a business guy, but you got three artistic ones: Blake, Tanner, and Joshua. And Joshua is the one that grabbed onto the camera and said, okay, I'm going to take photographs. Tanner's doing video, and Blake is working with wood and his hands and metal, and you've got all this talent. You, you spread it out by three and all your grandsons. And you named uh, your son after the Haynes family. So. Yes, so maybe that was a precursor. I, I would think. Yeah. Too bad we don't didn't you know buy the studio from you when you were retiring. <laughs> Who'd have ever known 17 years later? Okay, so... You were a professional photographer, and you were in the Quad Cities, which is up in Illinois. For those of you that don't know where the Quad Cities are, it's about three, two and a half hours to the west of Chicago. So it's real Illinois, not corrupted Illinois. And it's where the Mississippi actually runs east and west, as opposed to north and south. And there's four cities, two in Iowa that you just ignore, and two in Illinois. Just kidding about those Iowa places, because I grew up in Minnesota, and the best thing coming out of Iowa was I-35 going north. Uh, oh, okay. Ted, so I want to hear, you're a professional photographer, but you weren't a Christ follower. You didn't grow up in a Christian household. You grew up in a household going to church, but you didn't grow up a Christ follower. How how did your business lead you to Christ? Well, I, I want to start when I was in the military. I was on Okinawa, ready to get out of the service, uh, coming back from the Korean War. And I'm trying to make a decision about my life's path. And I, I thought, either I will be a pastor because I, I wanted to, I liked religious stuff, or I would be a photographer, and I, I had a better ability in the photography area. I was not what I would think as a good student that I need to be, and I would have been a, a pastor of a different group than I end up with anyway. So as I came to Rock Island, I started the studio uh, basically with my parents' help. I lived at home, and for the first year, uh, started the business right after photography school in Chicago. Uh, I went to Ray Volk School of Photography and um, had a, a decent education in the in the field and um, started the business and I got married one year later to uh, Elaine and uh, Elaine 58 was... 58 years ago. Yeah, yeah. 58 years ago. It's yeah. awesome. And she still is beautiful. And she's stuck by her side all those years. Oh, and and you wonder why sometimes. Oh, yeah. I ask Martha all that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, while I was finishing up school, she is uh, 
uh, starting the the uh, painting of this of the new building that we bought. We we rented a building for a hundred dollars a month in downtown Rock Island. I suppose that was big money back then, though. It was. It was. It was, it was a real stretch, and. Um, she was painting, and, and they were building walls and things so we could have a studio. And uh, we started our little family, and we were about five years into our studio and our marriage and our starting kids. And I realized that I didn't have business skills. I just needed something more. So I heard about the Dale Carnegie classes, and I took the Dale Carnegie course, which I think out of, of coming to know Jesus Christ is probably the most important thing that ever happened in my life. Because... The instructor was a Christ follower, and he looked at the people that were telling their life stories. Uh, you become very vulnerable in Dale Carnegie. You tell some interesting things that you didn't think you really even knew about, you know. And he listened to the people that had a, a longing for Christ, and he got us together and asked us if we would be interested in a Bible study. So there was a guy. What do you, What year was that? That would have been late 50s? Oh, Yeah. Well, yeah, it would be. Okay, so late 50s. Here's a guy that had an idea in the 50s, and I don't, maybe the churches were talking about it you know, 50 years ago, that, hey, my workplace is my mission field, and he was looking for opportunities to connect people to Christ in his workplace yep. at Dale Carnegie in the late 50s. Right. His name was Jim Marshall, a man that will... He was a World War II veteran and an amazing man. And he had a friend named Keith Gilmore, who I didn't know was a, a Dallas grad and was really instrumental in the, the walk through the Bible. And he was the instructor. He came from, uh, oh, he, he drove two hours easy every Tuesday to be at a Bible study in our home and the other Dale Carnegie people. And out of that group, I'd say two-thirds of them came to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. One of them went on to Dallas to be a, a pastor. Um and uh, Elaine went forward to the Billy Graham, you know, uh, following that. Uh, the, and that's one of the Billy Graham things that really took. He didn't, you know, he even says that not everybody uh, it really takes, but Elaine did. And then uh, I found out years later that the next door neighbor, a little Jewish girl named Connie Docterman, uh, was curious about what we were doing. This was summer. Our windows were open. We didn't have air conditioning. Ooh, but that was Illinois, not Florida. Yeah. Our windows were open, and there was a corner of her house that was really close to ours. I bet, well, in my memory, it wasn't very, you know, very far. And uh, she used to go to that corner of the room, and she'd listen. She'd listen to what Keith Gilmore was telling us. And she told me years later, after she came back from Israel in a kibbutz, that she had listened, and she was curious about Jesus Christ. And she had... Uh, she must have let that known to Elaine because at one point we had taken her to a, a uh, Youth for Christ conference uh, that was speaking in the park, and the speaker was a Jewish person that had come to know Christ as Savior, and she was disappointed that he didn't stick around for her to talk to. Mm. Um, but so even just in your another great point for people to hear, you were leading a Bible study in your home, and it was somebody indirectly listening to you and watching you. And that created some some uh, interest in Christ. That's right. So so it does. It's not just the workplace. It's also our neighborhoods. All right. So you 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 started walking with the Lord in the '60s. You started learning what it really meant to be a Christ follower. Um, you know, you start studying your Bible, and you got an idea that you wanted to. You know, you, you were a fan of Stanley Tam, which we, I don't think we've talked about Stanley Tam on the on the air yet. 
incredible guy that really had the idea behind workplace ministry, well, 50 plus years ago. He did a fantastic job, gave his business to the Lord, actually titled it in a foundation, which is easy to do today, was not easy to do. People gave him a hard time about it 50 yeah. years ago. Called you it want God to be, Owns My Business. Yeah, God Owns My Business. You can still get a copy of the book today, but Martha doesn't have it at the bookstore, so I'm not going to give a copy of that away. But you want, you said to me that you want to be like Stanley Tam, you want to be like uh, R.G. Letourneau? Yeah, I yep. met him. His, his daughter was my Sunday school teacher. R.G. Letourneau uh, founded a college in Texas, but was more known for selling heavy equipment. Wasn't he a heavy yeah, equipment heavy guy? Equipment. Just like Ziggler. Just like Zig Ziggler. He had, he had equipment that was so big that the tires were bigger in a house. I mean, they would move ore and things like that. And these guys gave uh, all but 10% of their income to Christ's work. And I, they were my heroes. And these were guys that I wanted to be like. And so I, I thought, well, in addition to my photographic business with, that had my own name, I was going to have a color lab call it Creator's Custom Color, you know, after our creator. And I had another division called Lab X, uh, X being, you know, for Christ. Sure. So uh, these businesses were to do photographic color work for other portrait studios around the country. And they all promised me their work. And I was uh, actually giving to about 10 different organizations. Uh, out of the money I didn't have. And this business lasted, oh, about five years and struggled, struggled hard all the time. I'd be in my... This business that you did for the Lord. Yeah, that I did for the Lord. And I'm sitting in my car every morning. I'd go, I come to work early. I sit in my car and I pray, Lord, I'm doing this for you. Make it successful. And every day there'd be problems. I don't care what you had with color photography. I had a problem with it. And then, and then the EPA changed the color chemistry, and then we had other problems. Doggone government officials. <laughs> yeah. But nonetheless, on April Fool's Day, I walked. To, I, I would pray this prayer again. I walked through my studio, went upstairs to the laboratory, but today it was quiet. Nothing was going. None of the machinery was going. There were no people anywhere. I looked in the different rooms for uh, where the enlargers were and all this other equipment. There wasn't even any work to do, and I couldn't figure out what was going on from the back came the lab manager, Kevin, and he said, April Fool. He says, uh, your joke is that the, the laboratory is closed. And I got jobs for all the employees, but it's no joke. And he, he says, I got a job for myself I'm going to right now. And he walked down the steps and out of my life. And I caught my breath and I thought, what happened? I went back to my prayer closet, walked through the studio, of course, went to the prayer closet in my car, and I'm sitting there asking God, what happened? And then all of a sudden it dawned to me, God had never asked Ted to be this entrepreneur and give him all this money. I realized the only thing he'd ever asked me to be was the head of my household, be a Christ follower, and be the leader in my home. And I realized I had to go home and ask Elaine if I could be the leader in our home. When we come back after the top of the hour, I really want to get into that story because that's the story that really turned your marriage around, your life around, and it changed your perspective and eventually led you to Venezuela and, praise the Lord, to Minneapolis. That's the best part of the story. We have a very special surprise for Ted today. I'd like to welcome Steve Krumloff to the I Work For Him show. Steve, can you hear me now? 
Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Ralph Edwards and his company and staff, Ted Haynes, this is your life. <laughs> Hi, Steve. Long time Sorry, no see. Uh, Ted, Ralph couldn't make it today, but uh, he asked me to fill in for him, so here we are. <laughs> Merry Christmas from the land of the frozen chosen. That, that's right, the frozen tundra. Hey, is there any snow up there in the frozen tundra today? Uh, I haven't seen any. Oh, that's it's a shame. All, it must be all in Tampa Bay. Somewhere. That's unbelievable. No, it's 80 here. It's ridiculously <laughs> hot here. Hey, hey Steve, I think it's important for the, the you, you've got one of those voices. People go, gosh, that guy should have done radio. Well, Steve did do radio, and that's why Ted and I know Steve, because he was a famous announcer. and. Oh, and, wow. and you were on a, on a flagship station called KTIS in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and uh, really, Ted, you became friends with Steve in the late '80s. I know it may have been early '90s, and and you introduced me to Steve four or five years ago. Actually, I know I in- met Steve <laughs> back in the early '90s. We're not going to go back through that, but anyway, the uh, I just thought, how awesome would it be for a, a guy that knew you in the height of your photography career in Minneapolis to call into the show, and it just happened to be Steve Krumloff because he's a friend of mine, too. And, and just to hear a little bit about what was Ted Haynes like as a business person. So, Steve, what drew you to him as a business person? How did you guys first connect? Well, uh, I, I hope I got this right, Ted, but uh, it seems to me that uh, this happened even prior to your involvement with my daughter's graduation. I'm, I'm thinking you probably, uh, uh, I know you did my daughter, my oldest daughter's graduation pictures. Well, I, I, I remember I, that. I was a fan of yours on radio, and uh, I, I was uh, somewhere in there. I was using you as voiceover for some. Um, boy, my mind is old. You were involved. <laughs> you were involved with a church uh, headquarters. That's right, the Evangelical Free Church of America, and, right there in uh, Bloomington, Minnesota. Involved with their magazine or something, and so we did some multimedia stuff for them. I always call. That's right. And I worked on that together. That's right. That's right. Yeah, S- Steve. What impacted you though about how Ted approached business? Well, I think uh, I think what really stood out for me, uh, Jim, was that uh, he and I were involved in something that I believe was Ted's uh, dream. Really, his his uh, uh, baby, if you will. Um, something called Media Fellowship, Missionary yeah. Media Fellowship. Does yeah. that ring a bell? That's right. Yeah. The concept behind that, as I recall, was to, this was before digital now. We were still analog, as I recall, and so the technology wasn't what it is today. But um, back, in the, back in the day, uh, the plan was, and this was, again, Ted's dream, to assist missionaries and mission groups with their, with preparing and, and producing multimedia presentations and things like that where uh, photo photography and audio recording and all that sort of thing would be involved and uh, to do that as a mission and uh, I believe it was pro bono right yeah uh, yes we call it missionary media fellowship and we still have the papers on that I think uh, we still own that name well that was uh, thinking outside the box as far as I'm concerned so that's very impressive from that standpoint I've never really been involved with someone who pioneered something like that before and so that was pretty exciting and very inspirational but uh, the point of that is uh, missionary media fellowship to me is a prime example of ted's willingness to to give to to pay it forward and that's uh, that's a principle that I've, I've tried to follow ever since is to pay it forward it business is not all about business it's not all about making money the bottom line it's about what you can do for other people uh, just ask nordstrom and people like that uh, and Nina Marcus, who have customer service skills way off the chart, 
um, that is, I think, what Ted demonstrated in that uh, little missionary uh, endeavor that we did together. See, I think you're missing it, though, because now I know Minneapolis only has a couple of these, but Chick-fil-A, that's where customer service on the fast food basis, Chick-fil-A off the charts consistently across. I mean, they're huge in the southeast, but I know they just are not now just breaking into Minneapolis. But you're, you're going to, like, go to Chick-fil-A. You just try to get somebody to be grumpy there. It can't, it can't happen. <laughs> it, it, it just can't happen. Yeah, I know, I know. But, and you can stop at a Culver's on your way and just talk to me about it because it would just be yeah, awesome. Uh, all right, so, Steve, you know, as a radio guy, you know, you 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 met a lot of business people. You were involved with a lot of people. I mean, you you had a huge influence over Minneapolis because of of your notoriety. What kinds of things did did you ever did you as a person did you ever hear a sermon, Steve, at the church you went to that you were supposed to work your faith into your workplace? Not really specifically. No, uh, I don't recall. Ted, what about you? Ted, you ever hear a sermon like that? No. Now, in fact, if if you even told a pastor that he was in sales, you know he would get angry with you. Because, <laughs> but, but, but so it, somehow there was a disconnect there. To my mind, um, it, 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 that's what it's about. I mean, it's it, and they think of sales as negative, and I think of sales is giving somebody what they need. Good grief! If we it, thought sales was negative, my family would have starved to death. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So you have you have people out there that needs a savior. And you have the greatest product in the world, and that is Jesus Christ, and and all that he that comes with that, you know, salvation and redemption, and well, a, a good salesman is just a presenter. Steve, as you've developed relationships like the one you have with Ted over the years, you know, talk about how a relationship with a, with a steady guy like Ted, who's just trying to make an impact for Christ right there in his own little photography studio, how did that influence you as a radio guy, as a guy that had influence over a lot of people in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul? How did that make an impact on you? Well, of course, uh, being in the media in, in a visible position like that, uh, you do have to watch your life because... People are not only listening or watching you uh, through the media, but also in a personal level, too, as you interact with your neighbors, with people in your church. Uh, you have to set an example. You have to, uh, to have pretty high standards, and people expect a lot of you, much like they do a pastor or anybody who is so-called professional Christian. And uh, so Ted, I think, is probably the, the, the prime example of someone who really lives his faith. Mm. But you know, it, if you have your name on your vehicle, like I have with Ted Haynes Photography on the side of it and the back of it, uh, it makes you a much more cautious driver. Uh, you don't uh, you cut people off. You don't flip them off. You don't do any of those things. You know? But it didn't keep it from getting stolen in Minneapolis, though. No, I, I, and I and that's one of the reasons I'm really allowing the Lord to work on my heart because someday I'm going to put I work for Him in my car. Uh-huh. And and I have not. I mean, I, I'm just really working. I still talk to people though when I'm in in line, you know, in, in the traffic here in Pinellas County. But Steve, any final words? I, I appreciate you calling. I just wanted Ted to know how much you appreciated him as a, as an example. And, and really, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you as an inspiration for me because you've been such a great encourager to me these last couple of years and have given me so many great ideas, Steve. And I thank you for the wealth of wisdom you've given me. And, and we've and you know I know we're seventeen hundred miles apart, but I appreciate it. And, and well, I, you're welcome, and uh, it's, again, uh, Ted, Ted's example of paying it forward, and that's what I try to follow in all my personal relationships is, is give it away, give it away, give it away. 
That's cool. Steve, thanks for joining us on the I Work For Him show. Merry Christmas. and God Merry bl- Christmas to uh, you and Ted and Elaine and the whole Brangenberg gang there. And when we come back to Minneapolis uh, this summer when it's nice and warm uh-huh. and the ice is off the lake, uh, we need to get together. <laughs> Hey, it's 36 degrees here today. What's wrong with that? That's ridiculous. You know, my refrigerator's right around 36. (laughs) Have a good one, Steve. Merry Christmas. Same to you guys. All right, Bye-bye. Ted. So I want to get back to your story, and that was just my little surprise for you because that was you know, neat. That was really neat. Thank you. Well, you know, I got strings I can pull now. I got people, and you, well, you introduced <laughs> me to them. So, you know, you were sharing how um, you know this business collapsed. The you know your manager did the things that I teach, which was fantastic. You know, don't just fire everybody. He found jobs for everybody. Yeah, I that I mean, that's that's in books today. If you want to talk about how do you how do you really handle people in a Christ-like fashion, you don't. Don't just lay them off. You actually try to find jobs for them. And so he did that. And, and all of a sudden, you have this conversation in your head. Hmm, I really need to go. Uh, God didn't call me to write, run this business. He calls me to be the, to, uh, to be close with him, to have a personal relationship with him, to be the head of your household, love your wife like Christ loved the church, and be a great father. That's what he called you to do. But you had neglected that duty at home because of your work. That's right. That's right. And I went home, and I told this to Elaine. And... Other, the, the, I didn't get the response I expected. I got, hmm. Well, you you said to her, Elaine, tell tell what you said. Okay. Well, I tell her, I told her exactly what happened, and I said, the only thing God has ever told me about what I should do is that I should be the head of my household, and of course follow Him. And so that's what I'm asking you: if I can be the head of our household and take my rightful place. And she said, hmm, I'm doing a pretty good job. I don't know if I can trust you. And it took several weeks before she said, okay, I'm ready to trust you. And that was a huge step because Elaine's a strong personality like me, and she's you know she's an or I mean, well, <laughs> I mean to, to say we're twins just in separate bodies, you know, there's a lot of strong personality going on there. But for her to be able to step back and recognize Christ's work in your own heart and to say, all right, I'm willing to give you a chance to trust you, which means that she was having a problem trusting you because you had d- dedicated so much to your business that your family had felt the impact. Proverbs 4.26 Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do you run your business day to day without much thought to planning? The Lord has a plan for each one of us. He doesn't float from day to day playing it by ear and making it up as he goes along. He is the God of order, systems, and processes. Of course, we don't have God's ability to see the end from the beginning, but if we want to follow his example by establishing and maintaining order in our businesses, we can still look ahead and make plans. Take one business quarter as a starting point. Establish three meaningful goals that will have a major impact on your business over the next 90 days. Write them down and communicate them to your staff. When everyone can see the goals and direction of your company, morale will improve and a sense of purpose will be created, even in difficult circumstances. Follow God's example, establish your plans, and watch your business improve as your goals are achieved. Proverbs 4.26. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Ted, you were sharing how you went home, you said to Elaine, listen, basically what you said is I've been neglecting my duties as husband and as father, and I need to get more involved. I need to take my, my role as the husband's, the head of the household, Just and, but you're supposed to love your wife like Christ loved the church, all of those things that the scriptures say. But your wife had been running things for you because you've been so involved in your business, and she had to give you the the reins back. 
All right. And she's doing a great job. It, you know, the, the closing of that lab created a lot of a big money pit. I mean, it was a, a hard time. And as the head of the household, I needed to think about finances and a lot of prayer. And two things happened that were really significant. Two competitors of the laboratory in Waterloo, Iowa, Don Lonis and Sid McKenna, came down at separate times. Sid McKenna uh, offered to buy my equipment in exchange for work that I would need. So I didn't have to pay for anything. And he took the equipment. The other man, Don Lonis, was a brother in Christ. And he came down and prayed with me and asked for God's leading and, and direction meant a lot to me. And eventually that leading led to, you know, the recession got really bad, late 70s, early 80s. It it, it led you to shutting down your studio and led you to the mission field in Venezuela, where you had the privilege for an entire year with you and Elaine and two of your daughters, two of your your children, your daughters, Mary and Martha, to go to Venezuela and photograph missionary work all over the South America, but mostly in Venezuela, right? Was I mean, you went into some of the other countries, right? Uh, we don't want to well, talk about those right now, though. Okay. Uh, I, I, I need to clear something up. I didn't know that there was a, a depression because we were a farm community, and every year one of the tractor companies was on strike. So it was always tight in your belt time. I didn't know anything was different. And and it, through some circumstances where I was offered a, another position in another community that collapsed, uh, we realized that we could leave. And our girls were on board with BN missionaries. We applied to two different boards and went with the Evangelical Free Church uh, to Venezuela. And the cool part about that, because I want to uh, speed us along to another another part of your story, is you went to Venezuela, you spent a whole year, and at the end of that year, the Free Church of America brought you to their headquarters, which, praise the Lord, was in Minneapolis. Amen. And on that, on that first Sunday, you guys moved to Minneapolis, you came to our church. And I got to meet your daughter, and it's never my life has never been the same. <laughs> Nor mine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> wow, there was just so much in that. But the cool part is, you know, you, you went through some rough times with the free church, then you worked for another guy, but God laid it back in your heart. You know what? I'm not doing what I'm passionate about. I'm not doing what I'm really good at. I'm a master photographer. I need to have my own studio. That's that's where God was leading. And literally in 1987, I remember you started it. You started taking photos part-time in your homes in the mid-80s. But in 87, you bought that house. And I remember it was October of 87. We tore the siding off your house because you were going to build a studio onto your, onto your house. And, um, I mean, really, you worked so hard for those next 10 years. But God provided in those 10 years of your life enough for you to retire. That's true. And it was a miracle. But what I also saw, and this is what I want you to talk about, what I also saw is as you were learning each and every day on how to incorporate your faith in your workplace, in the studio, you had lots of employees. You, you At the same time, I'm teaching you how to use a computer because that was the whole, I mean, the whole world was coming on in the late 80s. I got you a PC. I remember that. That was hilarious. Um, remember Nutshell? Yeah, in fact, in in fact, the lady from Nutshell ends up marrying one of your nephews. That's true. That's incredible. But the uh, you 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 started incorporating your faith in the workplace. Not everybody that worked for you was a Christ follower, although you had a lot of them. But the thing that reminded me, or that stuck in my mind, was because Martha and I did work for you. I did programming work for you. Martha did bookkeeping for you. Your Christmas parties. You were always very intentional at your Christmas parties for making sure that people knew they were loved. And that they knew that Christ was the center of Christmas. 
Wow. You have a good memory, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm a little younger, so I can remember. And it was, I just, I, you know, I was the son-in-law, and I was always, you know, I'm just the son-in-law. And, and, I, and I remember watching it going, hmm, that's interesting. And it didn't mean as much to me until the last 10 years, because I never really paid attention, because I was working, I was selling insurance, I was working for bigger companies, and I didn't have the privilege of working in a Christ-centered environment, and I never heard a sermon on it, but you guys were really leading the pack on, hey, this is a business God has given us. How can we glorify him with it? Mm-hmm. You know, in the studio, we were playing the music and the background stuff that Steve Krumloff, that radio station, is right. the station that we listen to in the studio, in the camera room. When they were playing their music, that's the music my customers heard. In the dressing room, there was a, uh, I had little pamphlets on pro-life, you know, uh, and, and I did upward to 500 high school seniors every year. A lot of young senior girls picked up those things because they were gone. Uh, we tried to have things around the, the studio that were, you know, subtle things. But the interesting thing is when people are in front of the camera, I had one a gentleman come in one day who uh, looked pretty good. And when he got in front of the camera, he said, this will be my last portrait. I asked him why. And he says, I'm dying of cancer. And he says, I, well, I'm still looking good. He says, I want my picture made for my family. And I got from behind the camera, sat down and talked to him, and he didn't know what was going to happen to him after he died. And we were able to share Christ. We were able to pray together. Several months later, the man came back and showed me how good he looked, and he thanked me for that time together in the camera room. Mm -hmm. And you will get to meet him again one day in heaven. All right, we're coming to the end of another I Work For Him show. And, Ted, I just want to thank you for your transparency. And, yes, as you said in one of the breaks, yeah, we could have done a couple of hours of this. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.